Say again, Whiskey Tango 3. We spotted remains. From Rug 7, there's no sign of uniforms or equipment, just body parts everywhere. Damn Taliban, cursed Colonel Jacobs. It has to be them, said Corporal Clark, the 24-year-old radio operator. Removing his hat while rubbing his close-cropped hair, Jacobs mumbled, Not again. What do you mean, sir? Ignoring Clark's question, Jacobs said, Pull the file on Rogue 7. I have death notices to write. Yes, sir. As Clark retrieved the personnel record, several bursts of static, then an intermittent voice transmission came through the overhead speaker. One alive, but... Jacobs listened for ten seconds, then keyed the microphone and said, One of ours? More long seconds passed, and Jacobs was about to call again when the broken transmission continued. No ID. What's left? Barely trying to... Language. Can't understand. Don't wait for Medivac, said Jacobs. Bring him in now. We'll have a translator standing by. After two minutes of silence, Whiskey Tango 3 replied, Not sure a translator will help. She's not Afghan. She's one of ours, but I don't understand the language. When the corporal's eyes met the colonel's, Clark said, There were no women. Jacobs cut him off, keyed the mic again, and said, No more chatter until you arrive. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Glaring at Clark, Jacobs said, That goes for you, too. Not a word to anyone. Understand? Yes, sir. Jacobs stepped outside the communication center into the chill of a midwinter afternoon with the sun touching distant mountaintops. Observing the 18 structures surrounded by a 12-foot, three-stage security barrier comprising this Ford outpost in Nimra's province, the veteran commander looked skyward for a moment and then went back inside to call Central Command. The beat of rotors pierced the silence of darkening skies twenty minutes later. Three medics, one male and two females, stood by the landing pad in a corner of the base to receive the patient. When the aircraft touched down, the co-pilot stepped out and opened the side door. As the medics moved forward, he pushed in front of them and took the woman from the arms of the gunner. Her fair-skinned arms and legs dangled limp as her dark hair was blown in all directions by the rotor wash. As the gurney passed through the med center doors, Jacob saw a flight jacket covered her, and he took hold of the co-pilot's arm. He looked at Jacobs and said, She tried to talk, but it was gibberish. I speak Pashto and Russian and couldn't understand any of it. We've got her, son. Take the crew to my quarters and don't say a word to anyone until I get there. Yes, sir, he replied, saluting, then jogging back to the chopper. Chief Medical Officer Stan Kernison placed his stethoscope on the woman's chest. After a few seconds, he said, Breathing is shallow and unrestricted. Trauma one. Jacob said, Keep the staff treating her to a minimum and give me a quick assessment of her condition. Yes, sir, Colonel. The three medics accompanied Kennerson into the trauma room as other members of the staff stared briefly before returning to their duties. Kennerson returned in five minutes and said, She's stable, but still unconscious. Do you know her? No. What else? She has bruising all over her body, but not from fists, a gun barrel, or anything I recognize. The most serious injuries are deep gashes on her upper back, but there's virtually no bleeding. It's almost like something was... well... I'm not going to speculate. I took the required DNA sample, and we're doing a head CT and x-rays of her body. Nothing seems broken, which is a miracle given all the bruising. Did I hear the chopper crewman say she was talking? Nothing understandable. I'm sure she'll need something for pain, although I'm reluctant to give her anything until she wakes up. We'll finish the exam, clean her up, and keep a close eye on her. What's our next move, Colonel? Command is sending someone. 
Looking at his watch, Jacobs continued. I'm going to debrief the chopper crew. Send for me if she wakes up before I come back. Will do, sir.